0: You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host, Michelle Dosbert. And as always, I'm super excited to be here with you this afternoon. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's sunny. It's Sunday. It's awesome. The temperatures are rising. I think spring is coming sooner than later. It is Women's History Month, right? But we always celebrate women and We celebrate men, too. Anybody that's all about the empowerment of women. And that's what our program and our platform and our brand is all about. We creatively collaborate and connect to raise awareness regarding issues that impact women by way of community service, engagement, public speaking, mentoring, workshops, and the arts. The arts is this media platform that we've been able to use for the past couple of years. It's been so helpful, so insightful, so informative, and it's not going to stop today. Today's topic is unapologetic wealth. I have someone that I met on the new social app, Clubhouse. And when I heard her speak, I thought she was just amazing. Her passion, her purpose and everything that she's about has just been nothing shy than phenomenal. I've been able to talk with her for a 15 or 20 minute chat on a Facebook live and she killed it. And I said, I have to have you come back and be on the show. And we're going to talk about, like I said, all all about unapologetic wealth. We always want to obtain it. We don't always know how. We don't know what that really means. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know how to access it. And my guest today, I believe, is a vehicle, a conduit to help us understand more about wealth and obtaining it. Without further ado, this is my guest today, Natalie Johnson. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hey I'm well how are you doing I am good good to see you good to see you because what I see is that beautiful picture of yours on clubhouse and I hear these words coming out and now I get a face and this is phenomenal so thank you so much for joining us today
1: You're
0: welcome awesome Nellie tell us a little bit about yourself just where are you from because you're not here in Atlanta you are based where?
1: Um, I'm from Mobile, Mm. Alabama. I live in Huntsville now. Okay. Okay.
0: And, and, and love it. Like Mobile is the place for you. It's doing good things for you.
1: Um, I mean, you get used to things. I was born in Alabama, so I'm used to it. Um, I have made several attempts to move. They were not fruitful. So I feel like God has something he wants me to do here. Okay.
0: All right. We'll make it work there. Natalie, tell the people a little bit about your early career. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Um, I've been in finance for almost six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed money. I have a bachelor's degree in business management from Alabama A&M University. Mm-hmm. My MBA is from Strayer and I decided not to become a CPA only because accounting wasn't really my forte. Um, I felt like I wanted to interpret the data more than I wanted to enter the data. So I became a personal banker and later on a loan officer and eventually moved into being a, a brokerage associate, which just means that I can help people also, um, a, assist them with their retirement planning, essentially. Mm-hmm.
0: So I like that key the, one of your statements, you said you always liked money.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell, tell, always. Tell
0: me, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, were you, did you have a business as a kid? Like, how did you just, you just, I just like money. I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was your business it's funny that you mentioned that I definitely did. What did you do, um, Natalie? In Mobile, all the children in public schools have to wear a uniform. Mm-hmm. I realized as an adult that that is not the norm in every school system. But in the Mobile County public school system, right. every child wears a uniform. So the kids are very incentivized to look different. So I would make keychains that you could clip on your person, bracelets, things like that, where you could have some ab- amount of individuality. Yeah. And that was maybe first or second grade. And I was able to convince the local uniform store to let me sell them in his shop. Wow. And he didn't even take any of the commission. It was really, really nice of him. It was wow. a, a black owned company um, that has since gone out of business actually. I think the founder passed away. Um but yeah, no, I've always liked money. I'm not really sure where people get their trepidation around money because who doesn't like payday? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, you know, getting the money is good. We oftentimes don't know what to do with it or how to keep it. That's the thing. And I think this is where you're really good at kind of providing that guidance and giving us some insight. So you've always been involved in finance and you just, you just always been passionate about it. So tell us about unapologetic wealth. Tell us about that. That is your company, your brand. Tell us more about that, Natalie.
1: Um, unapologetic wealth really started as a way to continue my financial literacy ministry um, because of COVID. So I am used to being out in the community, um, speaking engagements to the students, you know, on a volunteer basis in public schools, at churches, uh, for nonprofits. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, most in-person events have ceased. Right. And so this was just a way for me to pull together things in a Facebook group in one centralized location where people can still get information. Mm -hmm. Um, My Facebook page, I had so many strangers following me in attempts to get help um, financially. And so, you know, I'd get DMs and messages and it just wasn't organized. Mm-hmm. So this was really just a, a way for me to organize all of the information, put it in one place, start gathering resources and seeing what kind of help people need.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it's not
1: always me. Right. I don't handle if you have IRS problems, tax problems. I don't do credit repair. Mm -hmm. So I think I really see myself as a kind of a liaison. What kind of issue are you having? And then how can I help? Mm -hmm. So that's how unapologetic wealth got started. And the name actually came from someone in the DMs who were like, you know, I really like your no nonsense approach, the the way you're so unapologetic Mm -hmm. about being successful. And I said, huh. Yeah. That could work. Yeah. So I took it.
0: <laughs> you are unapologetic. Tell us tell us a little bit more about that, Natalie. Just kind of set the stage for us and I want people to get a sense of your passion on our ability to gain wealth. So give us a little bit more background about how what your viewpoint is on that.
1: I think that black and brown people specifically mm-hmm. have a duty to earn more money via a job, starting their own business. We need to do more to get detached from government assistance. Mm -hmm. We need to do more to not be waiting on the next stimulus package to pass or for unemployment to get bumped up. And I'm not saying that people who fall into these situations are at fault. But fault is not the issue. I think that's what's kept us back so long. We're always trying to blame. It's the government. It's the president. It really doesn't matter whose fault it is. If you're poor, what what you need is a plan. Mm -hmm. What you need is a solution, Mm -hmm. right? Not a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. And often I meet people who are, you know, I was dealt a bad hand and I, I, things weren't fair. And, you know, my favorite rapper is Jay Z Mm Mm-hmm. And he grew up in the Marcy Projects with mm-hmm. a single parent mm-hmm. um, and two siblings. And I would argue that he grew up poorer than most people. Most mm-hmm. people I know did not grow up in the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, And so if he can become a billionaire mm-hmm. without a college degree, mm-hmm. without a father in the home, mm-hmm. started off selling drugs, mm-hmm. I think there's hope for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really want us to look towards how can I build assets? Right. This is tax time. The average taxpayer is going to get back in excess of four thousand dollars. Over 80 percent of Americans get a tax refund. Mm -hmm. So 80 percent of us are going to be getting an influx of around four thousand dollars soon. What Mm. are you going to do to build an asset with it? Mm. Right. We can blame the president. We can blame the government. We can blame the climate change all we want. But in real life. Right. What could you do with that tax refund right now to catapult yourself into wealth? Mm. See, that's something that white people aren't doing to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Mm. When I go to Lenox Mall and yeah. I pass by Tiffany yeah. and I pass by Gucci and Fendi, right? It's us in those stores. Yeah. Yeah. We're spending a lot of money in Louis Vuitton. And it makes me wonder how much these people have in life insurance coverage. Mm mm-hmm.
0: You just say they
1: have in in other assets, right? Mm -hmm. Because we spend more of our disposable income, black people, than any other race of person. Yet we have the lowest income of just about any ethnicity. So to me, something's not adding up there. I would just love for us to take more accountability and get fed up with being broke, right? Right. And fed up with being poor and Mm -hmm. really decide we're going to do something different this year.
0: So, so Natalie, share with us, you mentioned life insurance. Mention some other assets. Let's say I'm a person, I filed my taxes, I got $4,000 back. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what are some of the things that I can do to create an asset? What is What's in your mind right now? Tell me.
1: The first thing I would tell that person is to have at least $1,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. So if that person has no savings, then $1,000 should immediately go into an account that they don't have easy access to, an online high yield savings account with a firm such as uh, Capital One, uh, Discover Bank, uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, Mm -hmm. or Ally. And I choose those banks because they have no fees and because they don't have a lot of branches. So I do not encourage people to open a savings account, at least not their long-term savings, with their primary bank. Mm -hmm. Because what you do when you get broke, you transfer that money right into checking. So you need to create a barrier to keep yourself from overspending if that's a habit that you have. So I suggest putting at least 1,000 of it aside as savings for a rainy day. On top of that, I would see what is their pain point. So when you got this money, did you need it to pay bills? Mm. If that's the case, then your budget needs to be tweaked. Mm. So I would encourage that person to look at what they could do to either earn more money, Or what they could pay off to free up money debt wise. Mm -hmm. So step two would depend on the person that could be if you need to increase your revenue. Could you start a business with the other 3000? Could you um, hire a career coach or get your resume reviewed? Could you maybe do that LinkedIn premium? Um, You know, could you buy yourself a new suit? If you need, if you're trying to get a promotion at work, have you had a talk about getting a raise with your job? That's something you can do without spending any money, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have a business already, maybe you could spend that on strategically placed advertisements, Facebook ads. Um, Maybe you could hire a business coach, right? Those are things you could do if you needed to increase your income. If you have a lot of debt, then I would say, look at the snowball method, which is when you list your debts from smallest to largest and then you pay the minimum on everything except the smallest and then you accelerate that payment. Mm-hmm. So you put all your extra money on that one smallest bill until it's paid off and then you funnel all the money from that bill to the next. Bill. Right. Right. So what you would do with the remaining, the excess of over the one thousand would depend on what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Some people need to pay down some debt. And some people would be better served, just need to increase their income. But either way, clothes, shoes, and a new car aren't going to do it. And tell you what, I would not recommend that you do with that $4,000, because then you will be broke. You'd be fly, but you'll be broke again <laughs> for another year. And I think we plenty fly enough, especially in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> she said, you'd be fly. You'd be broke, but you'd be fly. Natalie, budgets, do they really help? Having a budget really helps us?
1: They're huge. I mean, that's almost like asking me, does food really feed us? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Most people don't have a budget. That's why I'm
1: asking. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I think budgets get a bad rep. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call them a budget. I like to call them a spending plan. Okay. That's Because a nice people way. like to spend money anyway. Mm-hmm. And people do like plans. At least they like to pretend like they have plans. Right. So... I am of the mindset that every dollar has a job. So some of my dollars keep me fed. Some of my dollars keep me housed. Some of my dollars keep me entertained. Some of my dollars keep my hair looking beautiful, right? All of my dollars know what they're doing. I want you to think about your money as a little army. okay? Mm. And that little army is working on your behalf all the time to get things done for you. And they're waiting on your command. So if you have an army, if you have a paycheck of two thousand dollars you've got an army of two thousand right if you don't deploy that army what will they do talk to a person in the military what do they do between orders you have to give them a command mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of us mess up because if you've ever worked at a job where you didn't have a clear job role you'll know this to be true if you tell me If you don't tell me what to do, then I'll do nothing. Mm -hmm. Or I will lollygag and do something that's not very useful, right? And so I think it's very important that we budget down all of our money. So if I get paid next Friday and my check is $2,000, all $2,000 of those dollars are allocated for. Mm -hmm. All $2,000 know what they're going to do. Some of them will pay my mortgage. Some will pay my car note. Some will go to tithe. Some will go to savings. Some will go to my IRA, some will pay my life insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, even down to miscellaneous healthcare prescriptions. All of my dollars are accounted for. So there is no such extra money. There's nothing like that. That does not exist. Because what happens is that people fritter away that money and then they claim they can't pay their bills. Your bill should have gotten paid first. Your bill should have gotten paid on payday. Mm -hmm. I've never understood the idea of going shopping before you pay your bills. That's baffling to me. Mm -hmm. So yes, everyone needs whatever verbiage you want to say a budget is. You need to have a plan for your money so that you know where it's going. If Mm -hmm. you get paid and go to the mall and just start spending, it's no wonder that you haven't really acquired any wealth.
0: Talk to us, Natalie, about life insurance. I've heard you talk about it very passionately. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, African-Americans, we don't have a life insurance policy, and that just breaks your heart. Talk to me about that, Natalie.
1: I could just cry. Mm-hmm. I have a friend now that's begging on the Internet a GoFundMe. me. I have a colleague that's selling fish plates right now so she can bury her mother. And I just can't imagine the pain I would have in the kitchen trying to fry up Two three hundred meals grieving, I just can't imagine it and 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 I'll never understand it for the life of me, I won't because when I look at black people. I see us as just so resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, we overcame slavery and, and Jim Crow and redlining and the hoses and the dogs. And I mean, isn't today, I think today is the 50th anniversary of, of the, the massacre on the Pettus Bridge mm-hmm. in Montgomery, Alabama. I think that's today. And and to die and leave nothing when you could have paid 30 or 40 or 50 dollars a month for Hundreds of thousands of dollars in coverage is it is it, it, inexplicable to mm-hmm. me. If life insurance was a thousand dollars a month, I, I wouldn't harp on it. I would say it was a scam, and I would agree with people when they said it was too expensive. But my my life insurance is thirty seven dollars and fifteen cents a month, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to understand why a person wouldn't pay that, especially if they know that they don't have anything. That's right. what. You can leave a tax free estate. Let's talk about ways you could avoid taxes legally. Yes. Because they're very, very few. Right. If I buy a $100,000 life insurance policy and I die tomorrow, they will cut my beneficiary a check. And that check avoids probate, Mm. it avoids the IRS it avoids creditors. Yeah. So if I had student loans, guess what? They can't attach to that check. Mm-hmm. If I owe back taxes, if I owe alimony or child support. Do you hear me? I hear what you. kind of what kind of asset can you not attach alimony and child support to? Mm-hmm. That's strong. Yeah. So it's it's baffling to me why people will say Um, I don't need life insurance as though they're not going to die. I don't know if they think that by talking about death, it expedites death. Mm -hmm. My grandfather lived to be 92. He went to over 300 funerals. So if talking about death made you die, he would have died in the 50s. Mm. He talked about death more than anybody I knew. Mm. He went to because he lived to be 92. So he he outlived literally hundreds of people. people. Yeah, yeah. and he was a deacon of the church so he went to anyone who died at the church their parent you see what I mean he's that kind of person he went to funerals Mm. so going to funerals doesn't kill you buying life insurance doesn't kill you talking about death doesn't kill you the only thing that kills you is natural cause maybe I mean it's just to me it's one of those things it's a no brainer and until you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars saved in your bank account. You need life insurance, like unless you're independently wealthy. Now, if you're a celebrity, you know, if you're watching this in Atlanta and you're a ball player, then you can self insure, I suppose. Um, but then you go through that very public process of, of probate. We look at Chadwick Bozeman, who mm-hmm. didn't probate his assets effectively. He assumed that his wife would get everything. And now his very private life has become very public. Everyone knows exactly how much money he had. They will itemize and catalog all of their assets. They will put it in the newspaper. They will put it in journals. Is that really what you want when you die for every item that you own to be taken, photographed and cataloged and paraded around Mm. like an auction? Mm. It's almost like being back in slavery. Mm. It really, really is strange to me that people would say, I would rather do that than to pay $40 40 or $50 a month for life insurance. It, it's something I have been tackling, but I, I don't have the psychology to figure out what the impasse is. That might be a room we do on Clubhouse. Yeah. Why do black people not have life yeah, insurance? I would really. love to get some people come up to the stage with some kind of an intelligent stance because usually what I would get when I was selling life insurance was that people just really didn't care what happened to their family after they died. And yeah, that, I think I can that's,
0: understand that. that's part of it. That's part of it, Natalie. Um, some people think that's not my problem. I'm dead and gone. Y'all figure it out when I'm out of here. My family has that responsibility to take care of it. Some people don't know where to get it from. Maybe that's it. Maybe, they, it. maybe there should be a list of insurance companies that are trustworthy, that you could get something low premium that people need to know about. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, when people pass, there's no money. To bury them. And then people are asking, um, you know, at the repass or whatever, can we donate towards um, so-and-so's funeral expenses? And so it is something that we're just not used to. We don't. You're right. We don't talk about death. We don't talk about legacy building. We don't talk about wealth. We don't talk about assets. Those are things we just don't talk about. We get the money. We spend it. We burn it right as quickly as we get it. We spend it it's uh you know studies have shown that uh, of all the cultures in the communities we go through money the quickest as soon as we get it it's gone within a matter of hours. The Jewish yep. community it lasts their paycheck may last thirty days, maybe longer. Say it was weeks, yeah, yeah, it lasts much longer, so it's about prioritization and what's important. Um, I didn't know what your thoughts were about having a will as well as the life insurance. I, I don't, I don't think yeah. that's your space. Anything yeah. on that? What do you think about that? Cause we often don't have that. I bring that up because of the probate com-
1: comments you're yeah. mentioning about Chad Oh Wick. Yeah. 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 So, so briefly I'll tell everyone listening, you need a will period. Everyone, everyone, I don't care if you have one penny One dollar or one million. Everyone. Because if you don't have a will, then the state decides who gets to handle your affairs. And it might not be the person you had picked. It might be a mother that you haven't talked to in 30 years. It might be your ex-wife or ex-husband. It might not be your children. It might not be the mother of your children. It might not be your godchild whom you love. Right. You know who is important to you. But when you don't leave a will, you leave it up to an impartial judge who's likely white and never met you Mm -hmm. to decide who handles your affairs. Now, the goal is for no one to ever have to read your will. That's the goal, Mm -hmm. because you have gone to an estate planning attorney and you have drawn up an estate plan that might include a trust, um, which would allow your assets to pass seamlessly to the next trustee Mm -hmm. under the trust. Mm -hmm. So hopefully no one ever has to read your will, but please, please have one just in case. Mm -hmm. And if you have significant assets, and by significant, I mean a primary residence, a business that is profitable, or you have children, you need to be meeting with an estate planning attorney. You need to have conversations. It's worth spending a little money up front It may cost you a couple of thousand dollars, but then you'll be set. And that way you can avoid it on the back end because what people don't realize is that probating a will is not free. So if Natalie dies today, Natalie has a will. And if I have a bank account that doesn't have any joint owner or doesn't have any beneficiary listed or a brokerage account, or maybe my home is in my name only, which it is, right? People can't get to those assets unless their name is on the deed or their name is on the account. So they take my will down to the courthouse and they follow whatever the procedure is. They might have to pay for a bond. They might have to get a special license. They might have to pay a fee. The fee can be significant, could be a few hundred, could be a few thousand. It depends Mm. on the state, the county, the city. Right. And then it starts this long process of three months to 12 months plus Mm. where you meet multiple times with the judge. You have to get letters testamentary. You have to petition the court. You have to run ads in the paper. You have to notify creditors. You have to find the heirs. You have to distribute the money. You have to go to the bank and open a trust account. It is a very detailed process Mm. Wherein, if you had had an estate plan and a trust. The successor trustee could go into the bank or call up your creditors or call the mortgage company and literally just tell them the trustee has passed and they will be sending over documents. They show they are the new trustee. And literally at that point, it's just an administrative change mm. that likely won't cost you any money. As opposed to probate, which is time consuming and likely very expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you don't probate the will in so much time, you could forfeit the assets altogether. And I have met people who have lost out on tens of thousands of dollars just because they didn't know the money was out there. Mm. So it, it's a complicated process and I'm not an attorney, but um, anybody who is interested, um, Michelle has all my contact information. Yeah. Feel free to reach out. Um, I am in a network with lots and lots of attorneys and in Georgia, specifically, mm. there is a huge presence of estate planning attorneys because there's so much wealth in Atlanta. Ooh. So if you were in the Atlanta or Metro surrounding area, you have no excuse. Ooh. There are a plethora of black attorneys, Brown attorneys, Even female attorneys, if that's, you know, one of your hangups, if you're concerned about getting somebody who maybe doesn't look like you and maybe isn't representative of your needs Mm -hmm. in your community, Mm -hmm. you can find someone who looks like you, who is an estate planning attorney in Atlanta Monday. So that would be my suggestion. If you have not looked into these things.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to ask you, Natalie, about 401ks, because we often we don't know enough about it. We do what was what is suggested when we first get a job through HR. They say, oh, set up your 401k and you could start putting your direct deposit, putting some money in there. But what does that mean? How much should we be putting in our 401k to, again, the goal is to obtain wealth. So what should we be doing with our 401k?
1: Um, If you work for an employer and they offer 401k, you should participate you should definitely contribute enough to get the company match. Mm -hmm. However much that is. The good thing about a 401k is that even if you don't feel as though you have investing acumen, say you don't feel like you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. they likely have already created plans for you called target date plans. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that they know how old you are because they have your records from human resources and they craft a plan that is more aggressive when you're younger, that slowly gradually gets um, more conservative as you inch closer to retirement. And in layman's terms, that means it's riskier while you're young and it's more conservative or safer as you get older when you're gonna need the money. And it rebalances itself as you age. So you don't really have to do anything. That's the good news. You put money in it and, and the 401k plan advisor will invest it um to that default setting the default for people your age Mm -hmm. so you don't have to let fear of not knowing what you're doing um or i don't want to lose my money right into it okay you're losing money if you're not getting your company matched that's probably one of the only hundred percent guarantees in life you put in a hundred they put in a hundred very few things in life will give you that kind of guaranteed return okay Mm -hmm. um Contributing to your 401k will also um, reduce your taxable income if it's a traditional 401k. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm a single woman without children. I'm not in college anymore. I need all the tax breaks I can get. Mm-hmm. So say I made $60,000 this year or last year, I could contribute in 2020 up to $19,000 in my 401k. So had I done the maximum, instead of being taxed on $60,000, I could have been taxed on just forty one thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So that's huge. Yeah. Um, in, in far as a tax liability goes, I think the best advice I can give people is to start early. Don't delay. Mm-hmm. You know, people are I want to know what I'm doing. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. Yeah. But are you actively learning? Mm-hmm. Because unless you are actually going to take the time to learn about investments, you're better off starting it and allowing your um, plan advisor, your corporate plan advisor over your 401k. Do that guesswork for you. The people who select these plans are financial analysts, data miners. They have degrees in economics and finance. They've already done the hard work for you. So don't use that as an excuse. I know people who five years ago, I want to invest, but I don't know what I'm doing today. They still don't know what they're doing, but they've (laughs) lost five years of returns. Yeah. And so just don't let not knowing be a reason. We don't let that stop us from anything else. Uh, People get married, not knowing how marriage will be. People get pregnant, not knowing how having children will be. We don't let that stop us from doing anything else. Money and investing is the only thing people will say. (laughs) I'm not going to move forward until I have 100%. And I will tell you as a person with securities licenses, you will never be 100% clear on every type of investment in the world. Mm that's just not going to happen right. There, there there's always something new there's always something changing a basic foundation is good enough mm-hmm. it can make you a millionaire but you need to start in your 20s or your 30s if you start in your 40s or your 50s you can still hit a million but you will need to contribute significantly more mm-hmm. money to get there
0: mm-hmm. now i'm going to ask you can we as black people? Build, buy, build and develop. Can we really put our resources together? Have you seen that happening based on your experiences in the finance world? How do we look from your perspective? What are we doing?
1: Hmm. I would say that black people are doing some things really well. We are starting a lot of businesses We are the most college educated demographic, black women Mm -hmm. um, and marriage rates for us are going up. And married people typically um, do better financially over their lifetime than single people. Some of the things we could improve upon, although we have more businesses, they're typically not very profitable
0: Mm.
1: businesses. Our businesses are more likely to show a loss. Yeah. And a lot of people are gaming the IRS. Their money's not their business isn't really losing money, but that's a story for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say something we could definitely do better, what we should do is look into businesses that are more defensive. I find that black businesses are more likely to be hair care, candles, um, clothing discretionary purchases, things you don't have to have. Mm -hmm. When Trayvon Martin was killed, I told myself, I'm going to start buying more black items. I'm going to find toilet paper, paper towels. I'm going to go to a black grocery store. And that's when I found out that there was no black owned grocery store in my city. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be a change. Just, you know, becoming things you have to have. Mm -hmm. You know, do you have a black optometrist in your city yeah right a dermatologist that you could go to right. in your city um i wanted to get a procedure done that could damage um black skin and i was actually going to go to atlanta to do it mm-hmm. because i couldn't find a black doctor here right. that did that kind of service and i did not want to get laser treatment from someone who did not deal with black and brown skin because the laser can burn you permanently mm-hmm. if it is not at the right frequency for the amount of melanin that you have in your skin. Right. So that kind of thing, I think we could improve upon. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a business that sells something you don't need, but everyone needs batteries. Everyone needs paint for their home. Everyone needs, you know, toiletries. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had businesses that were more defensive, meaning a business that would thrive even in an economic downturn, like mm-hmm. healthcare. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter if the economy's doing good or bad. The hospitals open. Yeah. And when the economy's really bad, the hospital's doing even better. So mm-hmm. It's a defensive stock. That's what I mean. It defends yeah. itself against economic downturn. Yeah. We typically tend to have businesses that are what you would buy if you had extra money. So when people stop having extra money, like the hospitality industry, right? It tanks. Um, I think we could also do better about investing. Um, We'd like to save, but you will not save your way into wealth. Your money needs to be making money. So we definitely need to get over our fear of the stock market. Um, And lastly, I think the life insurance and the generational wealth, I mean, that would solve black America's problem. Mm-hmm. our wealth problem. If every black person under the age of 50 got insured for at least hundred K when they died, they would leave an immediate legacy. They would leave an estate. We could have the trust funds that we talk bad about white people for having mm-hmm. right. Um, right there. So, you know, I, I obviously don't want to pass away, but I look forward to the idea that a um scholarship at my alma mater could be funded with some of the money when I pass away, yeah. that my church will get a significant amount of money and that if I decide to have children, that my children won't have to go into debt for college like I did or work two or three jobs right. in college like I did or or work lower paying jobs like I did that my child would have seed money to be able to start whatever business they wanted. I'm not Mm. talking 10, 20,000. I'm talking quarter million, Mm -hmm. half a million dollars. What, what difference would it have made? Think about the last person who passed away in your family. Mm -hmm. Now think about if when they died, you would have got half a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. How different your life would be. Right? Absolutely.
0: So Absolutely. I think there
1: are some small changes we could make that don't even take a lot of money mm-hmm. that we could enact and do right now that could change the trajectory. Just having your business in order. Do you have a bookkeeper? Do you have an accountant? Mm-hmm. Do you have contracts? Right. Right. There was a lot of money that went out in this PPP program that we didn't get because we were still running business accounts, business um, businesses out of personal checking accounts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. using personal credit cards. And, and our credit is not right. So yeah. we're not able to pass some of the things that are credit based. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's an easy fix. I think these are things that we could do if we just had the the education and the motivation to do it. And hopefully um, I can help on both of those fronts.
0: Yeah, you can. I I want to step back to your first point about the types of businesses that we get. We We do what we know and we do what's accessible to us. Um, oftentimes we don't have the resources or we're not allowed to get to the table. So for example, yes, we have black doctors and optometrists and things. So we're making our way in those professional spaces, which is great. But it is difficult for us to get in a, in a franchise, preferably a supermarket, right? And the one thing that we love as black women is the way we look right? Whether you're natural or not, you're going to put a product in your hair. And we do not own those stores in which we go and get the product for. We can't even get in that space, right? It's owned by people that don't look anything like us, can barely speak our language, but they have every product known to man, whether you wear a weave, whether you still have a jerry curl, or if you're natural, you go in there and you get that product. And if they don't have it, Walmart is selling it. So even if you have a stance to say, I'm not going in that store based on where you live, they know the demographic of people that shop in that store and they have it in there. You can get it at CVS, Walgreens, et cetera. So the point I'm saying is that we are speaking the language, Natalie, there are people that are leveling up, but we just haven't found the way to get into those spaces where we are selling products and services That will transcend any type of depression.
1: No, it's definitely socioeconomic factors that hold back a Mm -hmm. lot of businesses. Don't get me wrong. This is not a level playing field. Yes. But I think we need to start thinking about when you look at a hair, a beauty supply Mm that is typically owned by an Asian person. Yes. I want you to think about the sacrifices that Asian people make that we want And, and ask yourself, are you making them? So I have a friend who is Vietnamese. Yes. Her mother owns a nail salon and her father owns a beauty supply. Both of them are in town. hmm That beauty supply only employs family members. Yeah. He came here from Vietnam in the 80s and his English is still very poor. Mm-hmm. He worked in a kitchen um, in a Asian restaurant that was owned by another relative. And he made five dollars an hour, and that was but when minimum wage was 725. So he was getting paid less than minimum wage by mm-hmm. a family member. Right. So I want you to ask yourself: would you work for a family member for less than minimum wage? <laughs> Even for a short period of time. Yeah. yeah. This these are rhetorical questions. Yeah. Right? yeah. He lived with them in a home, a three-bedroom home with seven other people. Mm. Would you be willing to do that mm. if it helped you save money? Mm. Rhetorical question. Yeah, okay? understood. He did not spend any money on new clothes, new shoes, haircut, nails done for a year and a half. He wore the same old clothes and the same old slacks and the an apron, and he cut the heads off a of chicken and cooked for 10 hours a day because he was one of two cooks, and they rotated. So they were open, you know, a regular restaurant shift. Right. So he worked that day. He worked the whole day, opened the clothes. Would you be willing to work open to clothes mm. anywhere mm. at any pay, let mm. alone five dollars an hour? Mm. So once he was able to save up enough money, they brought another person over to Vietnam and that person moved in and they trained that person to be a chef at the restaurant so that he could get freed up to start his own business. Mm. And then they do a kind of a susu where they pool money together so he had been putting into the susu that's kind of why he was working for five dollars an hour right kind of like an indentured servant he wasn't getting paid market rate because he was kind of buying into the family pool mm. with the difference of of why he was getting paid so low so mm. say he was supposed to be getting paid ten dollars an hour they were giving him five and putting the other five in like a pot mm-hmm. so when it was his turn he got to pull from the pot and then him, he was able to partner with another relative who had excellent credit, who had been in the States for seven years, at an 800 FICO score. Ask yourself if you've lived in the United States more than seven years. Is your FICO score 800? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just, did, did just questions?
0: the questions. Just right? the questions. Because
1: yeah. we want what, what other cultures have, but right. a lot of times we're not willing to do what they're willing to do. So he was able to start the business. He bought inventory with money from the pot. As the business made money, he paid back into the family pot. Mm. So he he covered himself. Right. He hired his two daughters. Mm-hmm. And mm. it was just the three of them working in that store by themselves. Have you ever worked somewhere where it was just you and two other employees mm. where you couldn't call off because you had to be there every day and you work open to close? Right. So a lot of times we covet what cultures will have, but we aren't willing to do it. We want to move out at 18. We paying rent. Our mama paying rent. Our daddy paying rent. Our brother paying rent. Collectively, the four wasn't paying four $5, six thousand dollars in housing costs just to say we have our own because we're not willing to live together. We mm. want to be grown. Mm. And apparently grown means having your own place. Right. Right. And that's that's a standard that we have put on our children. Hispanic people do not use that measurement. Mm-hmm. It is not uncommon for Hispanic people to have three or four generations living under one roof. So why is it that for black people to be grown, we, we put our children out immediately? Mm. Why don't we let them stay there until they get married or until mm. they're 25 or 26 so they can save money? Save money. Why don't we have good credit where when our children want to start a business, we can co-sign on it? Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. These, these are changes we could make. So some of it is definitely racism and socioeconomic factors, but I would be hard pressed to say that an immigrant who came here from Ukraine and spoke no English had it harder than us. Mm. I I I can't, you see what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I feel like when I read these stories about these immigrants, look at Robert Hershevik, he's on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. He's from Croatia, I believe. Yeah, yeah. A really, really poor country. Did he really have advantages? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So I think part of it is that when immigrants come here, they're hungry for success. They want it really, really bad and they're laser focused. And although we have faced a lot of oppression, there are things we can do to take our power back. Having good credit is completely within our control. Mm-hmm. That is not something we cannot obtain. Black people can't obtain an 800 FICO score. I yes. have done it just yeah. to prove the point. Yeah. So I really want us to look forward to what can we do instead of the defeatist what has been taken from me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was your stance. But I run into that stance. Yeah, no, no, no. Natalie, There's a reason we don't have any money. Well, sure. Yeah, there's lots of reasons, but Mm -hmm. there's reasons we could be rich, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Excellent points, Natalie. I appreciate all of them. I appreciate all of them. Um, I want to talk more about the entrepreneurial space because you have a passion for working with people that are entrepreneurs and helping them with their finance. Give us some tips in that space, Natalie, because, again, just like what we're talking about, the business, the types of businesses that we we run our finances are not always there. So what are some tips and suggestions you can give us to kind of, as an entrepreneur, what can we do better as Black business owners in the entrepreneurial space?
1: I would love to see Black businesses being run legitimately. Mm -hmm. I would love for us to have bookkeepers and accountants and contracts drawn up by attorneys If you have a name of your business or a slogan, I would love for that to be trademarked for you to protect yourself. Your LLC does not protect the name of your business. Try that again. An LLC, a corporation, (laughs) any kind of structure does not protect the name of your business or your slogan or your logo or your website. Trademark does that. So I would love for us to be running our businesses out of business bank accounts. I would love for us to have business credit. I would love for us to have cash reserves and actually be able to hire a business coach or hire a professional website designer or whatever we need for our business. And in order for you to have cash reserves, you're going to need to be priced effectively. That is why I had my Don't Price Yourself Into Poverty workshop just yesterday. Yes. Because some of us are undercharging and we're counting other people's pockets. Again, we like luxury. We'll buy Louis Vuitton. Black people buy more Louis Vuitton than any other race in the United States. Mm. Even though we've never been to France, never been to Italy, don't know French and don't know Italian. Mm. We love Chanel and Gucci and Fendi and Louis. Mm -hmm. Those are status symbols to us, Mm -hmm. right? I get it. But we'll buy expensive, but then we want to sell something that's cheap. Mm. And that I've never understood. Mm. If you like luxury, then why is your business not luxurious? And you cannot expect people to pay top dollar when you have a handmade logo, when you have a website that's always down, when your Etsy store is always out of stock, Mm. when your customer service is poor, Mm. when your attitude is snarky. Right. If you want people to pay you top dollar, then you're going to need to have a professional image. And I would love for us to start treating our businesses like wealth magnets Mm. and not side hustles. Because I think once you consider this is just a little something I do on the side for an extra hundred or two hundred dollars, then your motivation to grow it diminishes because you've already put it in a place. Mm. You've already put it in a small place. So how can something that you have have created to be small, ever grow, to be large enough and fruitful enough to create generational wealth? Mm. I would love for us to stop calling our businesses side hustles. OK, the IRS looks at you as a business mm-hmm. and you should treat it that way.
0: Mm. I love the wealth magnet. Natalie, um where do you get your inspiration from? Is it, did you learn a little bit from like the Susie Ormans of the world or Dave Ramsey's or she's making that face like, no, like where do you, where do you get your inspiration from, from your mama? Mama put some, uh, put some scripture in, in the chat yesterday. Got mom. us together with Ecclesiastes ten nine yesterday. Yes. Thank you, mom. My
1: mom is wonderful. Wow. I just love her. I love her so much. She's so strong. And my mom always had a business. She sold cars. She sold Tupperware. She sold Melaleuca. She sells Primerica. She sold everything, everything, everything. Mm. And I've always appreciated that she knew you needed multiple streams of income. because yes. She's a school teacher. And in Mobile County, school teachers do not make very much. I would wager that in most counties they don't make very much. But in Mobile County, even to this day, they make less than forty thousand dollars starting out. Wow. Just to give you a point of reference, that's why I'm the first Campbell in my family to not be a school teacher. Because mm. <laughs> I refuse to go down a line where I could get a master's and still only make 50 K and that really be the top. Right. Like that's the ceiling. So um, I would say that I'm probably anti Susie Orman. Mm-hmm. I do not follow Dave Ramsey's teachings anymore. Mainly because they just don't work. I do like the keeping at least one thousand dollars as a minimum emergency savings, but the problem I find with advisors such as Dave is that they teach from a place of scarcity and lack. Right? Mm. Work a second job, Dave Ramsey says, work Mm -hmm. a Dave job, deliver Mm. pizza, deliver newspapers, take whatever back-breaking, degrading, minimum wage job, you can. Don't be home with your children. Don't be home with your spouse. If you don't have enough money, eat beans and rice and rice and beans and work yourself down because you're poor and poor people don't deserve free time. Poor people don't deserve luxury. Poor people only deserve beans and rice because they're doing so bad. Mm. I just don't know who would really subscribe to that. How could you draw people in with a message so negative and limiting? Mm.
0: Mm.
1: How could you? I tried it. I'm going to tell you, I tried Dave Ramsey's system. And I figured out that not only was I probably never going to actually grow any wealth, that I was going to burn myself out long before I even got caught up on these bills. Right. I like to preach prosperity, that there is money all around us. Money is abundant. Money. Currency is a current. It's a river. It flows all the time. Mm. You just got to figure out how to get more of it. That's why it's called currency mm. It's moving. Mm-hmm. If it ain't moving into your bank account, you just need to figure out why. Right. Right. And get more of it. That's mm-hmm. what I like to tell people. Start a business. Our tax code rewards a small business. It penalizes a second job. Mm. You get a second job. Chances are, the default tax withholding is not going to be enough. So I will see people make 40, 50, 60 K in their real job, and make another 10,000 in that part-time and that part-time job only withheld $500 the whole year. So when they go to file their taxes, it actually costs them money mm. to have that second job. Mm. It could push you into another tax bracket. Yeah, It's not as effective as you think. And working overtime isn't much better. You're better off finding one more, a higher paying primary job than trying to piece together two and three jobs. Mm. Maybe look, look at that resume, see what kind of certifications you can get. Talk to a career coach. Go on LinkedIn. They have LinkedIn Premier. It's very affordable. I would say look at how you can bolster your main, your primary income. And if that's not good enough, look into creating a second income with a small business as opposed to... The the Dave Ramsey work yourself down, down, down. Mm. And and eventually you will be debt free. Being debt free and being wealthy are completely different.
0: Come on now. You can
1: be debt free and have a net worth of zero. Mm. You have no money, you have no debt. So your net worth is zero. Mm. That's not
0: wealthy. Yes, that's not.
1: So that's my thing. I would rather teach people hey, look, you have debt. You've lived above your means. Let's get a spending plan together mm-hmm. where we can show you where your money's going. Mm. And then let's do the debt snowball to pay some things off. And then let's take your cash infusion, like your tax refund, to start you a business or to get you a career coach to catapult you into making more money. And then we're going to take the excess money to pay down debt. Mm. Instead of saying, take every penny you have and throw it on your debt pick a second job, a third job, neglect your children, neglect your husband, neglect your housework, mm-hmm. you know, stop eating out, stop buying Starbucks, stop getting your hair done, look like a woolly mammoth, stop getting <laughs> your new waxes, right? I feel like that is very, very, very extreme. And I have not met anybody personally mm. who stuck with it long enough to actually become debt-free. hmm Not one person have I ever met. Now, I know Dave Ramsey has a show and people do the debt-free screen, but I'm talking about people I know Mm -hmm. have never done the two-job, three-job long enough to actually become completely debt-free in Dave Ramsey's system, myself included, because I'm not going to be miserable. Today could be my last day Mm. on earth. It really could You don't know every day is a gift. Just because I'm young doesn't mean I couldn't pass away. I'm not going to pass away stressed, half-slept, unhappy in a mountain of debt thinking this little $8 and 25 cent job at pottery barn is going to propel me into wealth. That's mm, not real.
0: Mm, mm. Mm. Natalie, talk to me about some of the projects you're working on yesterday. You had that great workshop, right? You got some others in the pipeline. What's going on?
1: I don't know. If people are asking me about them. I really want to do one on, um, retirement account options for entrepreneurs Mm. that might be the next one because you don't have the same options as a person who works a nine to five job. You can't contribute to a 401k if you are a self-employed individual. So, um, I'm thinking about doing something there. I just have to figure out how to not make it boring Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because retirement plans aren't the most fun thing. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to have one on productivity hacks. Ways that you can buy back some of your time with delegation, um, with uh, errand blocking, um, just just different time hacks I picked up. You know, you mentioned that I was busy and how I get so much accomplished. I have a lot of tips and tricks to get things accomplished in a short amount of time. So um, I'm thinking about doing a, a productivity hack class um, where I teach people some of my secrets and habits and automations and ways you can get back 15 to 20 hours a week. That'd
0: be great. Sign me up for that.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, I'll set a date. I'm, I'm thinking about doing the retirement one in two weeks. And probably the productivity one, maybe March 27th or April the third. So I'll I'll let you know. But um I get a lot done. And people, how do you get so much done? I'm like, this is how. And I think we really just have to stop thinking because something is important, it means I need to be the one doing it. Mm -hmm. Just because something's important, that means it needs to be done. It doesn't mean it needs to be done by you. Mm -hmm. And we often get confused about what important means we're not always astute to what an important thing is to do Mm -hmm. um, and and how to get it done in an efficient manner. Um, You know, for instance, I have a Facebook group, I'm going to do a giveaway. You mentioned some of the people who inspire me. One of them uh, is coming out with a book next month or month after mm-hmm. Tiffany Oliche, mm-hmm. um, the budget nice stuff. Yeah. Um, coming out with a book. Get good with money. I'm going to buy several copies and I'm going to give those away in the group. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to batch all my social media content today for the whole next week. So I'm going to go ahead and do the live I'm going to go ahead and and do the post. I'm going to go ahead and get the content. You can schedule it so I can spend one hour today and then get a result for the whole week as opposed to having to make time every single day. Right. Mm -hmm. To go back and nudge and check and nudge and check. So things like that. So, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely let you know when the productivity class is and send you the link. That'd be awesome.
0: uh, Last question, Natalie. Tell me about your experience with Clubhouse. That's where I found you. Yeah. But you are a raving sensation over there. Tell the people a little bit about how do you feel about Clubhouse, what Clubhouse is, and how do you feel about it?
1: I love Clubhouse. It's the best thing that's, well, I can't say that. (laughs) I have some good things in my life. It's the best social media platform Mm. that has ever been invented, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm a strong speaker. Mm Mm-hmm. So an audio only app is wonderful. If you're not on it, if you have an iPhone, you need to get on it. Um, you need to follow me at Fiscally underscore minded. And it really gives you an opportunity to get your voice out there. You know, I was thinking about starting a podcast. I don't really see where I need to now. But right. like I have my own podcast without having to come up with money for the graphics or the editor or the, you know, fancy microphone, webcam. You know, I just really think that it is an opportunity to express yourself and find your tribe and find like-minded people who are interested in what you have to talk about and get real life feedback. And so for me, it is going to be um, a continuation of, My ministry, which is really getting as many people as possible to hear, you know, if I just motivated one person today to get a quote for life insurance Mm. or one person today to not go to Lenox Mall and blow their whole tax refund, Mm. if they just say $200 of it. Mm. then I have been my purpose on earth has been, has been served. <laughs> been so done. that's what I love about clubhouses. I've met so many incredible people, so many opportunities to be on podcasts, to write forwards for books, you know, job offers. I mean, it's really been, the, the outpouring of support has been monumental. Ooh. I've been so, so busy. And I think if you have a value to add, um, You'll, you'll find success there. I can't imagine how a person who was consistent couldn't be successful on Clubhouse. Mm. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Where can people find you, Natalie? Where are you? Everywhere? You're on Facebook? You're on Instagram? Um, I
1: mean, I'm on Facebook. You can join my Facebook group, Unapologetic Wealth. There's a load, loads and loads of free content. Loads. I put free content out there all the time. Credit tips, uh, budget templates, how to build wealth, and interesting articles. It's open, you know, to all. You can search for it. Um, you do have to answer a couple membership questions just so I know you're a real person. Um, but unapologetic wealth on Facebook, and it's only one group with that name. So, um, and that name is being trademarked, so there will only be one group <laughs> with that name. So um, you can follow me on Clubhouse um, at fiscally underscore minded. Fiscally is F I S C A L L Y. Um, I am not on TikTok, Snapchat, or Twitter, but I am on Instagram. My Instagram is at Unapologetic Wealth.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have a website, Natalie?
1: Yep. www.unapologeticwealth.com. Unapologeticwealth.
0: Mm-hmm. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Natalie, for your time. I think you've enlightened the masses. You've given Good. us a lot of things to think about and to do. There's so many different areas that we can improve to start building and obtaining wealth. So thank you.
1: You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, this was awesome. So today's uh, show was powered by sweet Charlotte's uh, cheesecake. Yeah. You know, you want some listen, listen, Everybody's going through Lent right now, giving up something. Some people may be giving up cursing. Some people may be giving up sweets. But when Lent is over, you might want to get some of these cheesecakes. Yes. And they can ship it to you wherever you need it to go. So go ahead to Instagram and follow Sweet Charlotte's Cheesecakes and order your cheesecakes today. That is my time. And you know where I am. I'm everywhere. Real Chicks Rock is everywhere. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We have our own website, realchicksrock.com. Feel free to follow us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's right. We're doing it live over there. Um, Make sure you subscribe there. Check out our podcast on all of the streaming, um, digital streaming platforms. And that's it. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Enjoy. Until next time, be well. Take care and continue to rock on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.